are reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. And when I offer this today, I want you to understand this has nothing to do with weddings. It's a wonderful thing to use for weddings, but this has nothing to do with weddings. So I want you to hear the words as best you can with fresh ears and not think about gowns and tuxes, but think about a church that's been struggling to appreciate and love and be in need of each other. It's written here. If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will be brought to an end. As for tongues, they will stop. As for knowledge, it will be brought to an end. We know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, what is partial will be brought to an end. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, reason like a child, think like a child, but now I've become a man. I've put an end to childish things. Now we see a reflection in the mirror, then we will see face to face. Now I know partially, but then I will know completely in the same way that I have been completely known. Now faith, hope, and love remain these three things, and the greatest of these is love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we've come to part four of four of a sermon series called Greater Gifts, and we've been working through 1 Corinthians a bit, or at least the middle. And week one, we started with where we need to start with, where Jesus started with. In the book of Luke, before Jesus does one miracle, before Jesus heals one person, before he takes one step onto the water, Jesus is baptized and is praying and receives the Spirit, and what he hears is an identity. You are my son, you are beloved, and you please me. It's the same message we all were offered at our baptism. The same message. Maybe we just haven't heard it yet. What we must know this foundational truth, or we will fall flat before we even begin. Jesus needed it before he began his ministry. We need it before we begin ours. You are beloved. Week two, we talked about that we are gifted by the Holy Spirit. And we're not gifted for ourselves to puff ourselves up. We are gifted for others because this church 
is you all. And I'm a part of it, and you're a part of it, and we are given gifts to build each other up, not build the building, because the building is not the church, to build each other. We don't build up membership numbers because that's not the church. You are the church. We don't build up the budget. We build each other up. We're gifted for others, and you all have a gift for us. And last week, we spent time talking about being needy, that understanding these truths, we remain in need of one another, just like the ear or the eye or the foot or the thumb is in need of the body to be anything, to have any identities, to be part of the body, and we are all part of the body, and we need to remove the idolatry of self-sufficiency. We need to do our part, but we need to know that we need the rest of the body, always, even when we don't understand each other. So this week, we focus on being love. What a great sermon for pre-Valentine's, right? Get you all warm and fuzzy inside, being love. Uh, this is a different word. I'm going to give you the Greek word, and if you know it, what's the Greek word for love in this, in this scripture? Anybody know it? Agape. You can say it loud. Say it with me. Agape. So the word, the word L-O-V-E is, is what we, you know, we use when we talk about tacos and when we talk about our spouses and children and when we talk about God. Uh, in the Greek, there's very different words for these things, okay? Very different words. And what we find most often in our New Testament is agape, which you probably know. So the definition, we're going to start with that because kind of removing the wedding part of this beautiful chapter Agape, as defined by some of my resources, says usually the act of love of God for the Son and the act of love of God for the people. And the act of love the people are to have for God, each other, even their enemies. The love here is active and it's self-giving. It goes one way. We, are, we engage in love to give of ourselves and we seek nothing in return. In a way that I'll just I'll put it over here with a pen in it, and you can think on this later. If you're in this faith so that you can go to heaven, if it's all about you, are you really in it for God? You just I meditate on that a lot. What I'm in this for? Love is as agape is self-giving. So here's the imagery. Picture God entering into the broken world to take on flesh. Can you picture this? We call it Jesus. That's agape. Jesus is God's giving of God's self. Picture Jesus teaching his disciples again and again and again and again, and the disciples just not getting it. That's agape, Jesus teaching them again. Picture Jesus' grace and mercy when the disciples abandon him the night he's arrested. And then he sees them again and offers them grace and peace. That is agape. Understand the heart of love, agape love, when Jesus forgives those who are driving the nails into his body. He endured that pain and agony even for the ones who dealt the pain and the agony. And he said, forgive them. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. That is agape. Dying and rising for us while we were yet sinners, Paul says this proves God's agape for us. Now, the other part of this agape is that we have interest in one another. When we engage in agape love, we are interested in one another, meaning 
that especially if we disagree or maybe if we don't understand or we're just curious. We just have a, a wonder and a curious for one another. We're interested in what each other thinks and feels because we care, because it's a mutual giving of ourselves to each other in this wonderful thing called church. And we celebrate this once a month the way that the church of old used to celebrate it every single week. They didn't gather in pews. They gathered at a table. And before that they would engage in the meal, they would check with everybody and say, does everyone have what they need? Is there anything that the church can do for you? And the mother that sat down at the end of the table that couldn't even afford to feed her children, they would, say, they would all give of what they had and give to her, not seeking anything in return, simply living agape. And only when they have gotten the relationship right around the table can they break the bread and share in Jesus. That's how they practiced so the church in Corinth, who had been taught this, was lacking in agape. They had tremendous spiritual gifts, these superpowers, if you will. Wisdom, Paul says, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, performance of miracles, prophecy, spiritual discernment, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues, gifts that I have rarely seen. Some. When's the last time you saw someone break out in tongues? And if you did, when's the last time you saw it and didn't think, oh my goodness, I want to go somewhere else, right? It's, it's, it's unnerving. It's wonderful. But these are gifts that this church had. And they were seeing it in abundance and it, in so much that it was causing problems. And I, I can't even tell you the last time I saw some of this, but they had lost their agape. They clung to their spectacular gifts. And Paul says, these gifts, church, are just temporary, Okay? trying to achieve the knowledge and prophecy and speaking in tongues, it's all temporary. It's going to cease. It's going to go away. You know what's not going to go away? Agape. Accomplishing great feats by the Holy Spirit for all their wonder and glory are nothing if not done with agape. Now the quest for status and power, they are enticing. Are they not? Can we raise our hand? The quest for power and status, a desire to experience status, or maybe just the desire to experience God's miraculous work through you. How cool would it be to heal someone of their disease? Peter did it. Peter told a crippled guy to get up off the steps. How amazing would it be to be a part of that? Yes? God's power working through us. We pray for that power. We seek it. And yet, at the same time, we're given love and we find reasons not to exercise it. It's interesting. We want to become a church where Jesus frees. Relationships matter and love works. That is our vision as this congregation. Yes? And as a denomination, we want to make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Now, if we lived these things out fully, if they came to be full reality, what would this world, this community look like? It'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? You know, Mike alluded to the ability to just, at the snap of your fingers, just be perfected. If we could do that to the world, if we could just snap our fingers and everything be the way it's supposed to be, how amazing would that be? If we could, we would, and, and wouldn't we love to say to that mountain, be gone, and that mountain goes and jumps in the sea? What faith. This faith that Jesus says we can have. What a wonderful world it would be if we just changed it to what we think is right. Yeah, we get caught up in that, don't we? I wonder, is Paul speaking about these things of power and grandeur, these great gifts, more to say something about love? Lifting up the 
amazing wonder to simply say, do you know love's greater, right? You may not treat it like that. You may treat these as if they're spectacular, but you know love is so much more, so much bigger and better. It's so much more powerful. It's eternal. All the spiritual gifts are temporary. He says prophecies will end. Speaking in tongues will stop. Knowledge will end. It's all partial, incomplete, less than perfect. But one day, all incompletion will cease. And God will bring everything to completion. To, the other word for it, is perfection. And mountain-moving faith, miraculous ability, all the ways of knowing, be gone. Instead, Agape will remain. Love is the greatest of the greater gifts. The church in Corinth had lost their ability to give of themselves for the other. Instead, they were working for their own benefit. And they, they lost sight of this greatest gift. And we do it too. I do it too. I'll, I'll self-convict. I do it. We find love given to us by God and perfectly expressed in Jesus, yet... We struggle to really trust it. We grow into love. That's what I'll challenge you to understand. As, as Mike, I swear you had access to my sermon, Mike. We, we grow. We're not perfected in the media. We don't become perfect stewards. and, and, and Christ, you know, The Christian faith doesn't become perfected in us the moment we accept baptism. We're saying yes to be perfected. And love is the same way. We grow into this love. And we commit ourselves to that way of life. Even when we don't want to. Because we hope that in trying to live it right, that it becomes a part of who we are. Because God promises that that's exactly what's going to happen. When we say yes to God in our baptism, when we accept Jesus, the pioneer of our agape faith, and we say, Jesus, you are Lord and no one else. When we welcome the very presence of the Spirit of God within us, when we embrace the new identity as truly beloved children of God, and the word we find is Father, now, for some, the word father doesn't do a very good job at giving you a good image. Okay? But the idea that they're lifting up as father means the household. The family is run by God. It's God's way. It's God's order. You now belong to God, and you are God's children, and your identity is in God. When we accept this, don't think it gets perfected. We have to commit every day. And just like a marriage, you have to get up every day. Yes, I'm going to choose to stay committed. And when you make each other mad, I'm going to choose to stay committed. And I'm going to forgive and I'm going to... F I'll work on forgetting. I choose to stay committed. The place of your very heart, the, the core of who you are when you're not pretending, you put into God's hands when you say yes. Our hearts then are flooded with the Holy Spirit when we truly give them. Flooded with the Holy Spirit that they become ignited with the fire of God. When we suddenly gain the ability to love in ways we never dreamed. We find that we understand who we are for who we were always meant to be, whom the world has spent a lifetime, 38 years, telling me I'm not. We become a source then, and this is the true miracle. We're given the love, and then we become a source through which God's love breaks into the world around us. We become like conduits for love into a world of chaos and death and selfishness, of power-mongering and violence and war and greed. 
We, we bring the most powerful and complete reality into existence in our everyday lives, into our relationships because of the presence of the Holy Spirit within. Is this not beautiful? Is this not amazing? Do you not want to experience this with every single moment? That means you're going to have to give of yourself in agape. You have to commit and know that you will not only choose to love, you will become love. We must choose love. And let me offer this as a, as a help. It's a, it's a rhythm. You ever tried to get into a new habit and it just took a while? It took a while. That's how it works. If you're going to start practicing love, you've got to start practicing. And it may take a while before you actually start realizing you love people that are most difficult to love at the time. And I picture Jesus, all right? This is my theory. You know, Jesus is always going off and praying silently, right? Think of all that he had to deal with, with Peter, you know, flip-flopping all the time, with the disciples not getting it, with the religious leaders just completely getting it wrong, and then watching everyone blame each other and hate each other and separate and kill each other, and Jesus is like, oh my gosh, you people, I got to go pray. (laughs) I got to pray, and I just got to, God, I love them, but I'm having an awful hard time liking them right now. God, I need you to help me be what you've called me to be, what you've blessed me to be, what I've committed myself to be. i got to go back in and deal with this. And I need you to fill me up because I'm having trouble. Can you identify with that? Yeah, me too. Me too. And I think Jesus did too. I think that's why we have record of him going away all the time and praying because Lord knows we need help. Your heart can have love, but your flesh wants to cling to these other things, especially when we don't like what's happening around us. Amen? Especially when we're afraid. Especially when we are certain we know what is right and our righteousness or our rightness is not being honored. It makes it really hard to love. It makes it really hard to feel loving. And that's the time where we hit our knees and we pray to the God who wants nothing more than to make you love. Not make you do something you don't want to do, to make you become love itself. All this around us is temporary. Amen? This is good news. You ready for this? One day God will bring it all into completion. Yes? The entire earth will be God's house, God's temple. Everything in it will belong to God. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. We know this is certain. Do you believe? Do you have faith? In this reality. If you have faith, do you have a hope that can endure anything? Yes? Let me, let me walk through that again. I'm getting confused looks. If you know God's certainty is certain, do you have the hope that even the temporary and the bad days don't matter? And if you have this hope and nothing can stifle it, can you act in any other way but love? And if you're having trouble with love, maybe go back. Do I have hope? Or am I afraid? And if I am, do I doubt God? Have I forgotten? My belief is if you have hope, then you can stop being lorded over by fear and doubt and instead love. Just as Jesus showed us and Jesus actually empowers us to do through the Spirit. We have the greater gifts 
and we have the greatest gift. So let us be founded upon love, because as John said, God is love. So go, my friends, go and be love. Go and be the love that people have never seen and have been thirsting for and hungering for their entire life. And reveal that love because you are the body of Christ the Beloved. Amen? Amen.